IPI Freedom Dialogues, Turkey. Join the conversation on the future of quality journalism. Welcome to Freedom Dialogues, Turkey. I am Cansu Çamlıbek. Freedom Dialogues is brought to you from Istanbul by the International Press Institute, IPI. With this bi-monthly podcast, we are aiming to focus on the press freedom and freedom expression issues in Turkey for raising awareness and hopefully attracting a broader support for the cause of journalism in this country and elsewhere around the world, of course. Unfortunately, recent news regarding our profession has been rather dull and depressing. The oppressive climate for the media in Turkey is not something new. For more than a decade now, we have been subject to all sorts of intimidation, deterrence, threats and prosecutions. Dozens of colleagues and friends are still in jail for trying to shed light on stories which demonstrate the wrongdoings of today's brutal regime in Turkey. The laws have been utilized by the controlled judiciary against us and our colleagues. Especially the anti-terror law has been quite instrumental in Erdogan government's crackdown on the Turkish media. But it seems all this was not enough. Because no matter what kind of restrictions they imposed on the media, at least some parts of Turkish society kept getting their news from smaller and independent media outlets, which usually do depend heavily on their social media presence. That's why the government was quite keen on taking the restrictions further with a social media law, which was passed in the parliament before the summer recess. The law requires foreign social media sites to appoint Turkey-based representatives to address Turkish authorities' concerns over content and includes deadlines for removal of material they take exception to. And according to this law, social media companies could face fines. But before getting into the details of the law and what it means for Turkish society, I would like to introduce my guest. Today, I have the best expert to analyze this new law in Turkey, Yaman Akdeniz, who is a professor of law at Human Rights Law Research Center of the Big University in Istanbul, is our guest today. Mr. Akdeniz, welcome to Freedom Dialogues. Hello, and thank you for inviting me to the Freedom Dialogues supported and organized by IPI. Before we start our discussion today, I would like to say a few words on your work. You were appointed as an elected independent expert to the Council of Europe Committee of Experts on Rights of Internet Users and to the Council of Europe Committee of Experts on Cross-Border Flow of Internet Traffic and Internet Freedom. You are an expert of legal provisions and practices related to freedom of expression the free flow of information and media pluralism on the internet. Of course, this is a very tiny excerpt from your long and impressive resume, and you have been on the front lines of the media activism in Turkey. You are a vocal critic of Turkish government's policies in this field. I am sure careful Turkey watchers are already familiar with your work. And as a journalist, I would like to thank you for raising the flag for us. Let's dive into the heart of the problem, which we are facing, due to this new legislation. What would your assessment be in general, in terms of what it means for us journalists? 
Thank you. Let me first say that I'm a vocal critic of all governments who are trying to restrict freedom of expression, freedom of the media, and internet freedom. My work, you kindly reminded, that goes beyond Turkey. And yes, um, I have been an independent expert for not only Council of Europe, the UN, uh, the OSC, and uh, other international organizations. So yes, in the last 10 years or so, my work concentrated more on issues related to Turkey. And of course, uh, Turkey generates so many problems, not only in relation to freedom of expression and freedom of the media, But in more recent times, uh, of course, the last battleground, uh, the internet. But let me briefly tell you that Turkey's internet regulation and restrictions are not necessarily new and go uh, well beyond uh, the recent July 2020 law and amendments made to an existing law since 2007. In fact, Turkey is this draconian piece of legislation, Law 5651, which was enacted back in May 2007. And since then, thousands of websites have been subject to blocking. And in fact, I'm one of the founders of the Ifade a Freedom of Expression Association in Turkey, and we started to publish annual reports on internet blocking practices in Turkey, the first of which was published in 2018. And the most recent one uh, we published in July, an English version of this report called Engelivebik 2019, an iceberg of unseen internet censorship in Turkey, was published on the 14th of August 2020, co-authored by myself and my colleague Ozan Güven. This uh, was... Um, timely publication because it coincided with the uh, government's proposals that you kindly summarized earlier on. And we found that access to a total of over 408,000 websites are blocked uh, as of end of 2019 from Turkey. And as of today, this is new information I'm now giving, just uh, around 437,000 websites are currently blocked. Uh, from Turkey. That's a huge number. And these are individual domain names or websites or platforms. As you know, Turkey blocked in the past access to the Twitter platform, twice to the YouTube platform. And for two and a half years, the whole Wikipedia platform was subject to blocking from Turkey. In my line of work, I do not just write reports or talk academically about this topic. I am an applicant in quite a considerable number of cases. So when we challenged blocking decision involving Twitter, YouTube, and more recently the Wikipedia platform, I was one of the applicants uh, from a user perspective, so defending the rights of the users. And so despite these interesting judgments coming from the Constitutional Court, the judges in Turkey constantly block access to website news articles, social media content, including Twitter accounts, tweets, Facebook content, considerable number of YouTube videos are also subject to blocking in the past. You reminded of the fact that we had this problem long before the July 2020 law. I would like to remind our audience that, by the way, these are official figures shared by Twitter. The court orders in the first six months of 2019, in terms of the expectations from Twitter, Turkey had the highest number of legal demands from Twitter. Is that right? That's correct, yes. Uh, Turkey is a world champion when you look at the uh, Twitter transparency reports, which are published every six months. And in fact, Turkey sent 
5,487 blocking decisions. And the second country coming close to Turkey is Russia with 1,096 decisions. In other requests, so non-legal requests made category, Turkey tops with over 30,000. Again, Russia comes second with 14,000. So Turkey sends huge number of requests to the Twitter platform, but the platform does not necessarily comply with all the requests made from Turkey or other countries such as Russia, Brazil, Japan and others. So what is the criteria for a company like Twitter to respond to the requests of these authoritarian governments? What is the standard procedure? Well, that's a good question because that comes to the heart of the July 2020 amendments because until then, uh, Turkey only had access blocking requirements and what happened in July 2020, Turkish authorities added a removal of content requirement which uh, Mm -hmm. did not exist before in Turkish law. So now the judges are entitled to ask content providers, so news organizations, Dikan, Gazete Duvar, Artigerçek and others to remove content from their servers, but also they can ask this to social media platform operators uh, to remove tweets, videos from the YouTube platform, or to completely close down social media accounts. And therefore, usually what happens is that, going back to your question, social media platforms usually, when they receive requests from government authorities or other others, they assess these requests based on their own internal content policies or removal policies, internal codes of conduct, and all Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube as separate and different internal content removal policies. They're all different. And in most cases, in the case of Turkey, for example, Twitter ignores these requests sent from Turkish authorities. There are existing blocking decisions involving the daily newspaper Sözcü and the daily newspaper Birgün's uh, Twitter accounts from various judgeships. And certain journalists such as Can Dündar, activists such as Barbara Şansal, their Twitter accounts have been subject to blocking decisions, as well as the Kurdish opposition party, PDP, and their Twitter account has been subject to blocking decisions. Of course, Twitter looks and assesses these accounts, knows that they belong to Turkish media organizations, journalists, or to a political party, these requests or similar requests are ignored by the Twitter platform. They do not comply with these decisions. So in my view, this is a good way of dealing with such politically motivated requests from Turkish authorities. However, now there is the danger that if the platform operators such as Twitter, Facebook and Google decide to establish offices in Turkey, the new law, the amended law, requires them Mm. to do so, then it will be a different ballgame because then they will be compelled to comply with uh, the decisions that they receive. Otherwise, they will be facing various sanctions, including financial fines, but that could go into criminal investigation or prosecutions if they come and establish their offices in Turkey. But it's a difficult catch-22 situation for the social media platform operators because they will have a strong liability in Turkey if they base their offices in Turkey. And in my view, they will become the long arm of the Turkish judiciary. If these social media giants have not established their offices in Turkey yet, then they will be receiving a warning in October 2020.
They will be facing a financial fine for the amount of 10 million Turkish lira in November 2020. That will be extended to 40 million Turkish lira in December 2020. And then they will be facing an advertisement ban in January 2021. And that will be extended to a internet bandwidth restriction for up to 50% in April 2021. And from May 2021 onwards, that internet bandwidth restriction can go up to 90%, which means that these platforms will be completely unusable from Turkey if they do not establish their offices and have legal representation in Turkey. This is probably a huge dilemma for the social media companies because a few years ago I was attending a meeting abroad and I came across with one of the top officials of Google in that meeting. And we were having this off-the-record conversation and uh, he told me that apparently President Erdogan is asking them to remove global content. Because Google has offices in Turkey, they had to take down content from Google Turkey, but they still kept that content globally. And uh, in those days, the Turkish government was entering into negotiations with the company for the takedown of global content. And he gave me the example of the December 17 video files, uh, the famous ones that uh, everyone listened to in Turkey and now they are not accessible from inside Turkey. So now I'm guessing because there were negative responses from companies like Google and Facebook and Twitter, now the government has taken this extra mile, making them obliged to abide by this law. You reminded that the law is going to take into effect on the 1st of October, which is roughly a month's time. We haven't heard any companies establishing offices yet in Turkey, and of course their operations are quite confidential. What are you expecting from those companies? Firstly, thank you for reminding me the fact that, yes, the social media platforms such as YouTube and Twitter does that as well. They have uh, what is known globally as a country without content measure. This means that the social media platform operators are very hesitant to remove content globally from their service because obviously there are quite considerable differences between various jurisdictions. So what might be regarded as criminal content in Turkey might well be regarded as within the ambits of freedom of expression in Germany, in the UK or United States, and United States is much more liberal compared to any other country in the world when it comes to freedom of expression. So yes, there are these differences. So far, when Twitter deployed or agreed with the Turkish authorities, for example, to remove tweets, close down accounts, what they did was they deployed their country without content policy, meaning that a certain account or a tweet become invisible from only Turkey, but globally or outside Turkey, or if somebody uses up to bypass blocking technologies by using VPN, for example, was perfectly able to see that content. So the content would not be removed globally from their service. But now with the July 2020 amendments, and if the companies are based in Turkey, subject to the new regulations, then they will be compelled to remove content globally from their service. At least this is, even this is not clearly written so in the law itself, this will be the intention of the Turkish authorities. So not just country without content specifically for Turkey, 
but globally they want certain accounts and certain types of content gone and forgotten mm-hmm. basically coming to your second question i am also uh, talking to twitter representatives i opened the state so and i have held several meetings with the facebook team as well and we will be talking more as you rightly stated so it's uh, it's a complex uh, procedure and decision so they're not just coming to have turkish coffee in, in turkey so uh, <laughs> they need to assess various issues so having legal representation and establishing offices in a hostile country like turkey from a judicial perspective uh, where there are serious allegations that there is no rule of law that the judiciary is not independent it will be a, a major challenge for these companies because they will know that when they appeal against certain decisions or requests and the requests will not be only subject to a blocking or removal decisions but they are also required to maintain the user data for all their users in turkey so turkish authorities will be asking for data related to their users as well so it will be a constant challenge from day one knowing that there is not much due process in turkey and that their appeals will be constantly rejected by the judges and by the courts that's why the danger is that they will be becoming a part of the turkish judiciary system uh, it will be a very very difficult uh, for twitter to come and establish offices i mean of course i might uh, i might be wrong but i would be very much surprised if twitter suddenly decides to come an office in turkey because as you cited and mentioned when you look at the twitter transparency reports majority of those requests are coming from turkey and a majority of those requests are ignored by twitter and i don't expect twitter to suddenly say okay now we're going to accept 99.9% of all those requests from turkey and establish an office in turkey so that's citing out of the question i'm not completely sure whether facebook and google will uh, decide differently of course they need to take into account their business needs but i must tell that this cannot only be a, a decision based on business needs and companies global companies social media platform providers need to take into account the human rights considerations uh, including uh, privacy as well as of course freedom of expression and access to information issues need to be part of these uh, considerations by the social media platform providers if your guess about twitter's possible decision is correct then then it means if they are not going to open offices then means that they are ready to take on the penalties then it means that you are ready to be blocked yes Right. That's correct. Just like- I mean, I don't think the Turkish authorities have a plan B. The whole plan is based on the uh, assumption. I, I think it's the wrong assumption that social media platforms will come to Turkey, so there will not be need for going through these five separate penalties. I don't think that the Turkish authorities really want uh, Twitter to be blocked from Turkey or these penalties to be imposed. But there are no carrots in this policy. I mean, there are other countries uh, which uh, block access to these social media platforms. platforms in fact turkey blocked access to twitter and twice to youtube in almost uh, two and a half years youtube was blocked between 2008 mm-hmm. and 2010 a lot of people will remember that and we were without wikipedia for almost two and a half years so 
that is a possibility again. Companies do not necessarily, the fact that they might be blocked somewhere in the world. So, and also, uh, let's not forget the fact that if they come and establish their offices in Turkey, the next call will be from Azerbaijan, Kyrgyzstan, Kazakhstan, Turkmenistan. Will they be also going and to those countries and opening offices in, in, in those countries? So they need to think very hard before establishing offices in countries where there are serious problems with human rights and there are serious issues with due process and the independence of judiciary. Well, of course, when we are talking about the limitations on the internet freedoms, it's those group of countries that come to our minds in the first place. But going back to the preparations, the time of preparations for this 2020 law in Turkey, the Turkish government was apparently pointing to some Western governments. They were saying that Turkey will not be the the first and only country to impose fines on the social media companies. And apparently the example that they were talking about was Germany. We are talking about this law that came into force in Germany in 2018. Was it logical to compare the recent law in Turkey with the 2018 law in Germany? Can we make a comparison in terms of expectations from the social media companies? Yes, you're referring to the German Nets DG law from 2018. First of all, that's an awful piece of legislation. Just because it comes from Germany doesn't necessarily mean that it's a perfect sure. piece of legislation uh, which has been applauded by everyone. In fact, all scholars and civil society organizations are protesting against. They were protesting at the time when that was going through the German parliament. Having said that, that's an awful piece of legislation. The Turkish version based on an awful piece of legislation is terrible, even worse, 10 times worse than the German version. Why is the German model criticized, if you ask me? Because it forces uh, the social media platforms, which has a form of liability, not very similar to the Turkish model, but they are compelled to respond to user requests within 48 hours. And so that uh, leads into over-removal, because social media platforms are not necessarily in a position to respond to swiftly all the requests that they may be encountering. And that leads into a privatized enforcement, where uh, the user makes a request and the social media company uh, removes it, uh, rather than going to the courts, for example. The, the next DG uh, process does not require a court order prior to content takedowns, or nor does it uh, provide a clear appeals mechanism for victims to seek independent redress. For example, my account is closed down because somebody else complained about it. What am I going to do with that? And it has a very broad definition of unlawful content. Unfortunately, it inspires authoritarian regimes around the world to restrict speech. Secondly, in Germany, when you look at the German practice, you do not see, for example, Chancelier Merkel going after Der Spiegel or, or Die Welt or other prominent German newspapers, or you do not see German politicians asking German journalists' Twitter account to be closed down or their tweets to be taken or take them to the courts for defamation or criminal defamation. So we have a completely different system when you compare Germany and Turkey. In Germany, you see the democratic institutions and rule of law functioning, while you do not necessarily see that in Turkey. Also, let me give another example. When we 
took the Wikipedia case to the Constitutional Court. It took two and a half years for the Constitutional Court to decide for our individual application. But usually it takes almost five years for the Turkish Constitutional Court to decide internet-related blocking decisions and applications made to the Constitutional Court. I'm curious, for instance, about the followers of and the supporters of the AKP itself, because as a political party, as a movement, they have used, they have been using the social media uh, very aggressively. They have their trolls, they have this whole operation being run out of the palace in Ankara. If you look at the hashtags uh, that are being opened in Turkey on Twitter, Most of them do come from the government ranks, from the supporters of the government directly. And we are talking about the Z generation, younger generations of the supporters of the AKP. So if Twitter is one day banned in Turkey, what will this mean for the supporters of governing party itself? This is the exact question I asked on the phone to a senior AKP minister. I couldn't get a response. And uh, yes, this is a very good question because if Twitter does not come to Turkey and these penalties are imposed on the Twitter social media platform, including the internet bandwidth restrictions to ensure that the platform is unusable from Turkey. At that stage, my expectation would be that all the AKP, although not just the AKP, but the government, so that includes MHP as well, mm-hmm. uh, supporters and the, especially the politicians should leave the Twitter platform because that will be basically against the policy that they established. I mean, I openly told the same AKP minister that they also make a very good use of the social media platforms. It's not just the dissidents or anti-government people and organizations or media using these platforms. Everyone uses these uh, platforms and we constantly talk about elections almost on a yearly basis in Turkey. So uh, these are great propaganda tools uh, that are used. I mean, if if Twitter was not available, if there was no YouTube, I don't think that people, uh, especially by your reference to the Z generation, but also the older generation, just think about the COVID-19 period. More people were stuck home, so it was not possible to obtain newspapers and everyone was using. More people are relying on social media platforms. I mentioned in the opening that some independent media outlets in Turkey, including mine, Gazete Duvar and Duvar English, uh, we do heavily rely on our social media presence. What happens if Turkish government asks Twitter for instance, to take down, to close the account of one of these independent media outlets. The legal consequences of this law for us, for everyone trying to survive in independent media outlets. There are two different answers uh, depending on where the Twitter platform would be based on legally. If they don't come to Turkey, uh, you could be certain that Twitter will disregard that request and will not comply with the blocking decision involving Gazete Duvar or Dikan or T24 or Artigacek because in the past we have seen Twitter ignoring blocking requests with regards to Birgün and Sözcü newspapers, even with HDP political party Twitter accounts. So, but if they come to Turkey, then that will be a different, I mean, they will still be hesitant to close down those type of media-related or political parties or members of the parliament's Twitter accounts, they will, of course, challenge those decisions. But I can tell you that based on our experience, those appeals will also be rejected and then they will have to 
fight for those cases in a very long battle through the constitutional court. During that time, they will be compelled to close down those accounts. Otherwise, they will themselves be liable, uh, responsible, because the law states clearly that they do not comply with these decisions, then they could face liability themselves. So they, these platform operators, by law, are regarded as hosting companies. So unless they are legally told to take down a specific content or close down a specific account, they do not have to do anything. They do not need to police their platform. Once they know, they lose their protection shield. And once the shield is gone, their responsibility and liability, they could, for example, hypothetically be taken to the court by the president of Turkey. So the president of Turkey can request some accounts to be closed down and or content to be removed down. If Twitter doesn't and based in Turkey, then they could face criminal investigation because of their action, or they could face defamation cases through the courts of law initiated by the president of Turkey. So that could be a reality. Well, as a journalist, I can only hope that these companies do remember why they are there in the first place. They don't forget their motivation of providing these platforms for freedom of expression when they will be making their final decisions. And Professor Akdeniz, thank you so much. Thank you for all the insight you have given us. And please keep fighting for us, for journalism and for freedom of expression in Turkey and around the world. I thank you once again uh, on behalf of myself, on behalf of uh, the IPI and also on behalf of our audience for being with us today. Thank you for giving me this opportunity. Bye-bye. Until next time, take care and stay safe. Goodbye from Freedom Dialogues Turkey. This podcast was produced with the financial support of the European Union. However, IPI has the sole responsibility of the content. Discussions and views expressed here do not necessarily reflect the views of the European Union.